Hello, Doug. Hey, Karen. Hey, listeners. Hey, Happy listen. coronavirus. How's this it going? Is, uh, the special pandemic issue. Uh, it, <laughs> episode, uh, not issue, episode, the special pandemic episode of Hollywood Boulevard. Yes, don't worry. Neither of us are sick. We hope none of you listening are sick. Um, the timing just happens to be as uh, coronavirus panic is cresting. Um, and for reasons completely unrelated, neither Karen nor I have been able to watch a Melrose episode this week to, to do the... So the coronavirus has infiltrated Doug's um, internet access. <laughs> Did you hear me? Anything, anything I said? You got cut off. Um, so it was about and- how we, unrelated to the virus, we both were unable to watch this week's episode because we're both really, really freaking busy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so instead, we're just bringing you a special standalone Hollywood Boulevard. Yes, I have seen nothing, by the way, of of note to discuss. It's going to be the Doug show. Yes, which means it'll be an interrupted Doug show and Karen can't really vamp because I will be talking about things she doesn't know. I'll just be talking shit about something. So I'll just talk shit. I'll just smack talk in between. Yeah, well, then I'll have to really listen close when we when we post it, so I can hear all the things I missed, yeah. all the all your all your Rodney danger fielding, all my yo mamas, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so so yeah, are, yeah. What are you talking about? What do we got? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a nice theater roundup. One of the things, one of not the only thing that's keeping me uh, busy is now is the height of the theater season we've got about six weeks left to go um so i'll be seeing at least one show every one of those days so i'm going to do a a recap of what i've seen in in the past week and this is a big off-broadway roundup both um midtown and downtown so some highs and some lows but i'm happy to report again that there is at least one high um and this might be the last theater that you see as the pandemic continues um, yeah, there are people that are really wondering if uh, theaters will shut down, what kind of policies they're going to have. Um, I will say right now, I will be shocked if that actually transpires, but I've been wrong before. So we'll see. Well, I will say this, uh, PSA, public service announcement for listeners. Um, if you are feeling unwell or you are just ultra nervous. There are a lot of theaters out there that are actually doing the ticket exchange thing, which they normally don't do. Um, so if you aren't feeling great and you want to reschedule your theater going, um, call your point of sale, get in touch with the box office. Um, and it is very likely that they will, I don't know if they're doing straight up refunds, Right. But I do know that they're being, they're, they're really relaxing ticket policies and trying to be really flexible about rebooking dates. Yes. No, that's important advice to keep in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So, so what, what show you tackling first? I'm going to dive right into Emoji Land, the musical. Everybody's kind of digging it. Well, I will say it's fun. It's, it's colorful. Um, it's, you know, a New York musical theater festival show. So it it's lowbrow, um, written by Keith Harrison and Laura Shine. And Laura Shine also plays one of the pivotal roles of uh, the smiling eyes or smize emoji uh, in the show. Um, 
it's cute, and I wish it stuck to cute. But part of the plot, um, the plot that involves a princess played by Leslie Margarita and a prince played by Josh Lamone, um, they build a firewall which is an analogy for our president and his build a wall campaign um, to keep out people that might usurp their power as the most popular princess or most popular prince, that sort of thing. Um, and there are actually other characters that suffer the consequences of this wall building within the musical. And it's too heavy handed. It's both too real world analogous and too serious for a show like this to really withstand. What's that, you know, what's that movie that I'm thinking of? Oh, um, Wreck-It Ralph. Why does this, oh. why is this reminding me kind of of Wreck-It Ralph? There are similarities, right? Okay. Like they're bring. okay. So they're bringing the emojis inside your phone to animated life. This was in Wreck-It Ralph. They were bringing, you know, all of these animated creatures, uh, in video games to life. Um, but that was a really, really clever movie that had yes. a great conceit and great follow through. Um, and this is more premise than plot. Gotcha. Not the, not the first, not the last time that has happened. Um, um, there's an odd storyline also with a very sort of dark slash suicidal, uh, emoji played mm. by the actor Lucas Steele, who tries to create, uh, have a virus created that will not just wipe him out, but annihilate everyone. Oh, good Lord. That's a little too true to life right now, isn't it? It's right, right. And it's the show really can't withstand all of that gravitas in a show that also has an actress, a very good one, playing Pile of Poop, the emoji. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think the virus thing makes more sense than the firewall. It does, and you don't need both. And you don't need both. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the, oh my god, the virus! How crazy is that? Um, yeah, and, and like it's not really—it's resolved too quickly. Um, it's so it doesn't even feel like you get a proper climax. I don't think the songs are great, but mm. um, George Aboud, who was recently seen in the band's visit on off and on Broadway, um, and an actor who I have personally interviewed a couple times, uh, he plays essentially our, our hero, um, Nerdface who is one of the, the newer emojis introduced at the beginning of the show's plot. And he's actually wonderful. This is a winning performance. This is a really terrific, like, he did the work, he committed, he is astonishing and treats this like it is, I don't know, Sondheim, if you will. Uh. Uh, he's really wonderful. Uh, a good reason to see it. And one of my colleagues at one point said he'd make a really good Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. And I don't disagree with that either. So the show, I mean, it's definitely fun. Its popularity is maybe a little bit more widespread than I would have imagined way back when. Um, but George Aboud is definitely the main reason to see it. Cool. I mean, I just was shocked to see, like, it got the New York Times credit because I was like, you know, I roll, I roll, I roll. Um, and then there you go, New York Times critics pick. And I was like, well, what do I know? No, you know a lot. Um, I mean, this is this ultimately is not a cutesy show as much as it is a political show. And so I'm sure it felt very important for them to give a critics pick. I tend to believe that Times writers have been told certain times when it is important to give a show a critics pick. Sometimes the critics pick is attached to a review that doesn't even match the content of the writing in the review. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. Um, 
so that's Emoji Land, the musical, uh, playing at the Duke on 42nd Street, right in the very heart of Midtown. Cool. What's next? All right, let's talk about some food. The Hot Wing King. This looks actually really kind of fun and good to me. I mean, it is fun. It, it is, is fun the right word I'm looking for? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, there are there are truly compelling moments. There is a dramatic uh, basis to this. It's about a series of gay black friends. Um, I'm assuming most are in their 40s. It could be 30s and 40s um, living in Memphis, uh, centered around um, like a wing festival, an annual wing festival that the main character um, has typically won. Um, and this group calls themselves the new wing. We have lost Doug for a minute. I'm going to riff on this. I'm looking at the hot wing King production photos. And like I said, this show just looks so much fun. Are you back, Doug? I'm back. I'm back. Did you hear me say the new wing order? You did say the new wing order order. And then I lost you. Okay, good. Cause I thought I, I thought I heard no sound and I stopped talking. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good show, I should say, written by Katori Hall, uh, a very who ain't no slouch, a very smart playwright um, who has also written the book to the Tina musical alone this mm-hmm. season, um, and and I say that because there's a point I'm going to come back to um, in a second, but it's one of those things. It's like big chill esque, you know. It's all of these people coming together, and they all have different mini crises happening in their lives at the same time, most of them revolving around their sexual identity. Um, but they're there for each other. They're a chosen family. We have lost Doug again. Um, so I'm looking at the cast because I'm on the website, and I have to give a shout-out. Sheldon Best. Oh, we've got him back. We've got Doug back. I'm Hi. back. I'm back, but, but give shout-outs. Oh, I'm just shouting out. Sheldon Best is in this cast. He is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, yes, I love yeah. him. Yeah, um, yes, and yeah, he's um, he's great. Um, let's see the the rest of the cast: Toussaint Jean Louis, Corey Jackson, Toussaint, uh, oh, Cecil Blutcher. That's What's a great that? name, Toussaint Jean Louis. That's such a great name. I know, and I hope I pronounced it correctly. But but yes. Um, Eric B. Robinson Jr. Yeah, the whole cast. It's a really uh, solid ensemble. And so it's basically a weekend in their life. Um, and as some characters are at a crossroads. But like I was saying, there are some moments of drama. Um, but primarily, it, it is a comedy. And it is fun. And it is well acted. And it's well directed. Um, and and the thing that I was going to say about Katori Hall having done the book for Tina is that um, a lot of of the scenes, particularly the more dramatic ones, there are a lot of monologues, there are a lot of two-hander scenes between different characters working their relationships out. I think this play actually works as a musical. I think Katori Hall has written a musical and not even realized it. Because all of those scenes are actually scenes where you would put musical numbers. You would put duets. You would put this is who I am numbers or I want numbers in those moments. Um, They fit right in those pockets. Uh, It's a musical without the music. Huh. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, I think there's about two more weeks of this run. I don't think it's extended any further. It's playing at the signature theater, just further on down 42nd street from emoji land. And they really do look like they are cooking wings on stage in both acts of the show. Uh, you can't smell it, or at least I couldn't smell it. 
Um, but it looks like they're really cooking and at sometimes even eating wings. So I was hungry. I mean, I can't handle a lot of spice, and some of those wings had a lot, a lot, a lot of spice, uh, but it looked delicious. <laughs> I was going to ask if they're serving hot wings at the... No, uh... no, they're not. And and here, uh, a bone to pick with the Signature Theater, which <laughs> they have changed their catering. So they used to have some really good, um, like, concession snacks, and a lot of them looked like they were baked on premises. And um, I think now they're, they're just ordering in from, like, some standard place, so you just get, oh, like... No. Some stale cookies and chips. You know what's weird too? A couple of a couple of weeks ago, I actually started getting served ads from the signature uh, center about like just showing up there for like lunch or like go sit there and work or they must be somehow connected. I mean, you know, I think that it's probably like you know to bring bring my laptop and go sit in their cafe and work during the day like like i think Which a there's... lot of people do i have killed time between work and shows sitting there as well i mean i was kind of was like didn't do it because i was like oh it's gonna be too crowded because i thought everybody uh, did it i feel like it can be crowded but it wasn't always so i don't know and maybe maybe depends on the specific time you're there right I don't know. Right. I should give it a try one day. But I'm just saying, I thought it was weird that I got served ads, and then you're telling me that the the food has suffered of re- of recent. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe during the lunchtime they have more. I don't know. They used to have sandwiches and pizza eat things that were really good, and I don't see them anymore. And they used to have like freshly baked cookies that were really good, and I don't see them anymore. Interesting. Look, you know what? Running a cafe and running a theater are two totally different things. Um, and I know like here art center was like one of the first in this oh, yeah. to come up with that concept of like, and it, and it makes sense, right? Like you have a theater and you want a second stream of income. You've got the real estate and you've got a captive audience feed them, right? Makes total sense. Except running a theater and running a food establishment, as I know here found out very fairly mm-hmm. quickly is a very, very, very different thing. So they actually did the smart thing and brought in somebody who wanted to, who knew what they were doing to sort of like, kind of like rent the space. But like they, I I don't remember exactly how it was worked out, but it was basically under, you know, it was, it was somebody else's space, but it was called like Mm -hmm. the here cafe or eat here or whatever the cafe's name was. Um, because, you know, I mean, restaurants in general, you're talking a 10% mar- a profit margin. That's not big, you know? So if yeah. you don't know what you're doing, you can easily lose your shirt. And if you're, you know, and it costs a lot of money to make from, make things from scratch. Yeah. Oh you, yeah. You know, it's a lot of labor. It's a lot yeah. of, so I would not be surprised if signature was like, crap, this is like a money losing proposition and just started like doing like regular old concessions yeah you know to save some money i really wouldn't be surprised oh i i kind of assumed that's what what it was yeah um so yeah it's all right i'm not going for the food anyway i know you're going for the theater but at least i went for and saw some good theater yeah okay moving on so so that's the hot wing king definitely recommend um, a show I'm less likely to recommend unfortunately is downtown at new york theater workshop um and it just opened. It's called Endlings, uh, which had its, uh, I think, premiere production at Harvard's uh, American Repertory Theater up in uh, Cambridge. Um, it's written by a Korean playwright named Celine Song. And if it was just about 
what I thought the centerpiece of the show was, I probably would have liked it more. Um, it's about three elderly sea women on this Korean island who have spent their entire lives basically... We've lost Doug. Um, I... Hey, hey, I'm back. Hey, should I repeat everything I said? Yes, please. Okay. Um, it's about these three sea women that live on a Korean island to spend their days harvesting seafood. They're like pearl divers, and it's a life of pain and sacrifice and suffering. And it seems really fascinating because this is a real thing that people have done. This is a real, like, subculture that really could have been delved into. And while we see them in moments kind of portrayed anachronistically by three really good actresses who just, like, swear a lot and insult each other, hmm. I wish we could have really learned more about that life. And instead, we keep flipping back to uh, the true protagonist, which is, I guess, a slightly fictionalized fictionalized version of the playwright, Mm. of Celine, comparing her life as a produced playwright um, to the pain known by these three female divers. I think you lost me. Nope, I still got you. Now I've lost you. I'm back. Okay, there you are. Um, She really compares her life uh, to the pain of these three female divers. And that the sacrifices they made are somehow akin to her own sacrifices because she feels she has to give up stories of her own identity uh, as a Korean playwright because it is a... A predominantly white world. Okay. Um, And she complains a lot about how expensive New York apartments are, um, and and you know how she has to hope for commissions to write plays to pay rent, and even then, there are still rats in the apartment and stuff like that. Um, And I don't need that. I'd rather just learn about some of these women that I don't know much about. Wait, I'm sorry. That's in, that's in the play itself. That's the the bulk of the play. And it keeps going back and forth between, uh, an actress standing alone on the stage, having these monologues and going back to brief scenes of the three women. Um, but I don't understand how you tie that together. Well, it's not cohesive. Okay. Okay. At some point I may write a longer review and post it and it will probably be less than positive um but i just wanted to put the basic uh experience of seeing that play out there for here because i'm just kind of i mean because the the concept of the of the the diving and the in the water and like i because i i worked on a piece that was a that was inspired by free divers um Yeah, like a, a number of years ago, and it was um, and it was done at Three LD, so there was a big technology aspect to yeah. it, and you know, um, and I, I just always found that fascinating, and I kind of love the idea of bringing that into theater because it's so difficult to to do, you know, in terms of like the water element, like how are you going to reflect that? 
you know, is it going to be an actual body of water that you're going to be submerging your actors into, or are you going to do like, I don't know. I feel like this is such a rich area to sort of like, you know, exactly plumb the depths of, so to speak, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I, and, and so like, I just, I'm like, so any sort of play that goes there kind of fascinates me. And, but I, and I feel like why would, I don't know that you need a, a, a parallel storyline going on there because there is so much to dig into. Yeah. I mean, you could have had a really solid 80 minute show just talking about those women and their lives. Yeah. But you don't No, I, I will say they, this... we've lost dog. I have no, um, I, 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 I'm just no idea. The set, inc- the set includes a tank of water at the back. So you have your actors or actors pretending to, and then maybe someone else, um, seen in swimming in, in brief glimpses. So they actually uh, do go into the tank and they swim around or somebody does. Someone, someone goes into the tank, whether it's the actors or someone else is not clear. Um, but they have a body of water so to speak. What they did do five, four seasons ago for Lucas Nath's Red Speedo um, is they actually did put a pool on the stage and the main character swam in that, swam in that uh, for the duration of the show. Right. So they've really, in the past, gone gung-ho, full stop, and put a pool on the stage. I actually saw, um, it was from a fashion show, um, and I don't remember where it was, and it, but it was, a me- it was sort of like a meditation on climate change and, um, they had the models on, on a sub, basically a submerged catwalk, like, like the models were walking through like this mass of water and it was so fascinating. And I was wondering how the hell they did it. Um, because they were, they were like, seriously, like it was like up water up to their ankles and it just looked really, really crazy and cool. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, that has nothing to do with anything. I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> But I kind of wish that, because I kind of feel like the sort of go-to, um, you know, water feature in, on, on the, on the theater stage is like, well, we'll just put a see-through tank up there. Yeah. Did they yeah. do that for they ha- Lucas Nath's play? Did they, did they do that no, for Speedo? Play? The, 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 the pool was literally in the, the floor of the stage. Okay. So it wasn't like you were like looking into like a into like a clear bucket. No, no. Okay. So, so that's endlings, which okay. just began around. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and now I, I had talked about hot wing King, which was a show that didn't know it was a musical. And now here is a play that has music in it. Uh, coal country, which just opened last week at the public theater. Um, and and talks about a really horrible mining disaster in Upper Big Branch at West Virginia about a decade ago, just over a decade ago. And it is written by Jessica Blank and Eric Jensen, who have done a lot of documentary-style theater, including The Exonerated. Um, and they have done a lot of really well-researched interviews with those who survived or... Um, were related to people who died in the mining disaster, which mm. ultimately claimed 29 lives. Um, and so different actors take turns recounting their memories of the before and after, which included uh, a trial that probably did not end as uh, 
fairly justice wise as as people wanted it to um and so that alone would be a very effective taught piece but they also uh entwined the music of one of my favorite singer songwriters Steve Earle um who which is who is very folky uh and and kind of earthy right. um and and so it's not a musical because it's not reliant on the book to stop for for songs to continue the action but the songs lend a lot of atmosphere the music is beautiful and i should say this ensemble is perfect this really? show is this show is really a masterpiece really really quite, wow quite quite possibly the show i've been waiting for all season this wow. is a must see this is probably number one on my list for the season now um so i count myself very lucky that i got to see it um and i encourage others um i encourage others to seek it out um the cast includes character actors i don't know that their names that many people would know um but they're familiar if you are fans of the new york stage particularly off broadway michael lawrence michael gaston mm -hmm. amelia campbell um mary bacon uh all doing wonderful searing work um, it's really a beautiful show telling a wrenching tale. It's, it's what theater should be. It's what the public has done really well in the past and has sort of strayed away from recently. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see them doing that again. Uh, everything about this from, you know, the lighting and the sound, uh, on down is, um, like top notch. Amazing. Um, so, so I'm happy to end. Um, we've lost Doug, but I do want to say, um, that this show has gotten like serious kudos across the board. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking for a, if you're looking for a good show, Cold Country is it. And I will also say there, it is not sold out. Good. Gang. So if you guys yeah, so like, you know, want to see this. it. Like, and, and they have Sunday evening performances, which I do know from experience are really hard sells for some reason in New York city where like 10, 15 years ago, they actually never used to be. Um, and oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's, interesting. yeah, it's really interesting to sort of see how ticket, uh, ticket sales patterns have changed, um, for, from, you know, uh, over the years in terms have of, you know, have you noticed other trends change? Uh, like yeah, that? yeah. Um, you know, it used to be, um, and again, this can change with, with theaters, um, just in general, but I'm sort of like, like different theaters, but I'm actually looking at the public and it looks like they are kind of following similar patterns to some of the venues that I work with. And so, um, like where we'd always sort of struggle to sell, like, let's say, for example, Wednesday night, like Tuesday, Wednesday night, right? Those were, now it's <laughs> like weekday nights, we will sell out before like Friday, Saturday evenings. Interesting. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like I could understand individual people having trouble with that. Are you, did you lose me? Nope. I hear you. Okay. Um, but you would think whatever the different people's reasons for attending on different nights would remain pretty static yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, matinees still do really well, you know. Um, but, 
you know, particularly for an aging population that tends to go to the theater, they're the ones that really go. Yeah. Um, but you know, but, but the Sunday night thing has, you know, we used to be able to actually move a lot of tickets on Sunday night. And I know like Soho Rep has been doing like, they got some underwriting so that they do their Sunday nights, but like, it's only like a buck or $2 or something like that for the tickets. Um, which tells me that that's, they're struggling to fill, to, to sell their Sunday nights. Um, mm. you know, but, um, but it looks like there are a lot of tickets left for this one on Sunday night. So, you know, if you do want to go and you want to pick your seats instead of, you know, instead of sort of being, you know, just taking what they have, Sunday night would be the night to go do it. Yeah. And I, look, I encourage everyone to do so. Yeah, I, I want, would like to, I actually would really, this is one of the ones I I had on my list that would be like, wow, I really would like to go see that, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. I know. I, I I don't know how you will get to it, but if there's a chance, it's worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you. So uh, I say that to you and I say that to everyone. Yes. Um, and I just wanted to put in another word or several words about a show that's closing this week. Um, I talked about The Inheritance before. Did you lose me? Nope. I've got you. Now I've lost you. Nope. You lost me. Now you're right. now you're back. I, I definitely wanted to make sure this was heard. I'd mentioned uh, the inheritance before. I'd spoken very highly of it. Uh, um, an ambitious Broadway show. It's actually two parts. It's six and a half hours. Um, it had won the Olivier, and it was a pseudo adaptation of the novel Howard's End that looked at the AIDS crisis and, and tried to build a bridge between the generation of gay men in the eighties and nineties and now, um, and it's closing earlier than had hoped it's closing this week, this coming weekend. Um, and has sort of proved to be a battleground for a lot of people who rejected the show and seem to in some enjoy some sort of schadenfreude on its closing. Um, the biggest complaints seem to be that there were too many, white people that there weren't enough characters of color in the show um i mean i i sort of i sort of believe in judging a show on what is in there and not what's not that goes back to my preferences not flaws thing um and i thought it was a really credible show that reached high and had the highest degree of difficulty of a show any show i've seen in the last few years and had its flaws didn't always stick the landing but had a lot of great stuff um, in particular, it has one exceptional monologue towards the end of the first part of the first play, um, uh, delivered by the actor Paul Hilton that, that really does summon the, the worst of the AIDS crisis. That is the probably single best moment or delivered speech I've seen all season. Um, this show was always going to be a hard sell. Uh, it's hard to find audiences. Most of Broadway audiences are people that come in to see shows like Torrid. Okay, so we've lost Doug. So continuing my servicey conversation for the evening. Commit. Uh, so. Oh, we lost you. Can I finish being servicey? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just being. Sir, I'm trying to be servicey while you get bleeped out of the um, from from our coronavirus technology. Oh, um, okay. I would love to hear you be of service. Okay. Go for it. So of service. Um, apparently, for the final week of performances, last performance March fifteenth, next week, um, you can get tickets from thirty nine dollars, thirty nine bucks. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, if you have the time, I'm sure you have the money. Yeah, thirty nine bucks. It's worth it. That's nothing. 
That's like that's like a night at the movies, frankly. When you add yeah. in the popcorn and shit. Yeah. Yeah. For okay. two people? Yeah, it is. So thanks for that. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. Um, no, I was going to say this was a hard sell because it's difficult for most people. If you want, let's say you come to the city, you want to see a show. You don't necessarily want to commit to two evenings or a matinee and an evening. And it's a drama and it doesn't have huge stars. It does have a very talented cast. Those are all tricky things. I mean, even a show like Harry Potter that is in two parts has struggled to sell. Uh, Angels in America's recent revival two seasons ago did not pull in the numbers they thought it would. And, and that's kind of considered the gold I, standard. Uh, they also did a weird. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I actually didn't realize that Harry Potter was now struggling. I mean, it's still making money. It's still not having the same problems filling a house the way other Broadway shows do, but it is, but it, it had a significant come down before the end of its first year on Broadway. Do you, and you, and do you I'm think not it's worried. Because it's of the gonna... two parts. Do you think it's because of the two parts? Uh, yeah, I think that contributes to it. Yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think that's its. I think that's its biggest thing. Like, eventually they will run out of fans because you know that number will at least dwindle because most rabbit fans will have already gone to see it. But no, I think it's the two part thing that really that contributes. Okay, I was just kind of curious part. about that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just. Wasn't there some epic coming up in the next that I just saw report? There was going to be. Well, I know that there was something that was just reported, but like there seemed to be a couple. And I'm just kind of very curious about how these, you know, back in the day, like when what elevator repair service did that six hour long whatever. Oh yeah, they did like an eight hour long Great Gatsby adaptation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm just kind of like wondering, like, would like like. Would, is that like over? Are people just not down for that anymore? I think that I think that that had ended a long time ago, oh. and then it started to reemerge. And I don't think it's the same audience. Okay. I don't think I think everyone is different how how they consume and how they plan to go to the theater. Um, yeah. I think it's a bad model. It's Robert Lepage. Uh, his uh, is coming with a seven hour show. Like I know Taylor Mac was able to do his 24 hour yeah, his history cycle. of yeah. pop music and or whatever it was. And that was pretty epic 20, but that kind of felt like that was event. That was an event. That was event. Theater. That's, that's a, yeah, that's an event and that's a different kind of commitment. Yeah. Right. Right. And, right. It, and it had a small ish run with, in a, you know, in a small ish theater. The idea was never that would move to a Broadway house and try and run for months and months and months and months and make a profit. Um, I think they knew better than that. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that, I don't think the two part play or show works. You know, it's hello, Dolly. It's not hello, Dolly. And then come back for goodbye, Dolly. Right. Uh, and you're asking, I mean, how much, you know, you're asking for people to chunk up. Like I thought actually Harry Potter was pretty affordable. I was surprised at how, because I paid for it, and I saw both parts with with yeah. my with my kid, and I didn't feel like, well, and I de- I definitely didn't feel cheated from the money. Like I and I actually paid apparently a little bit more because I bought tickets through like for like a benefit. So um, oh. so I actually ended up paying like I think a little a little bit above um, sticker price. Um, but I didn't feel like I, I was just happy to be there. And I actually didn't yeah, feel yeah. like it, it was money poorly spent because even though we know I had issues with the script, um, 
the stagecraft was awesome. Like it was beautiful. And I felt the same way about, yeah. um, you know, I, uh, about all of that. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering yeah. if you think like it's a thing where you're like, oh my God, I'm chunking up. Like, like originally, I don't know how much the ticket prices were for inheritance. Like, do you, like, were they charging like the 80 bucks a pop? My guess is they were, but, but also early and they were probably already doing discounts. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And like, honestly, who wants to like chase discounts? Do you know what I mean? I know. Cause I just had a glitch. What was the last thing you said? I mean, who wants to chase discounts sometimes, right? Like, Oh yeah. You know yeah. What I I'm, mean? I'm like, I'm going to one website. If I want the thing that I want, I'm just going to pay whatever you're telling me to pay. Right, I'm not okay. going to hunt down promo codes. I'm not going to hunt down different discounts. Right. Like I'm just, it's either that... something I'm willing to pay for. Or it's not. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm just, I'm just too lazy for that. Well, no, I'm not too lazy for that. I'm too fucking busy. And like, okay. So yeah, here's, yeah. So, okay, so I just went to the Inheritance's website, and I did say tickets from $39, which is a deal if you want to sit in the rear mezzanine. Sorry, guys, I didn't read the fine print. So, like, I'm looking here. They might bring you down, however, but yes. An orchestra, center only. Okay, these are the best seats in the house. I don't entirely expect them to be $39, but $119 to $159, that's just one performance. Yeah. Yeah, that's part two. That's just, so that's just one performance. I think, I think that's not only asking too much of people's attention. I also think that that's asking too much of people's money. Yeah. I mean, you have to really want to be there to chunk up what is essentially for the full experience in decent seats. You're looking at anywhere between like $150 and $250. And that's not even like, or $300, $300, sorry, $150 to $300. And that's not even, and that's like, and that's front mezzanine prices. That's not even orchestra. Right. And, you know, this isn't a musical. This isn't a spectacle in that regard. And, and while it is rich, I mean, it's also very sad through a lot of it. It's a very difficult sell. Had it been an hour 45 or 2.30, it would have been different, I think. Yeah. I think that's just really tough. Yeah, but and I think it was um, an overly ambitious experiment. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the best way necessarily to categorize it. Um, I'm not shocked that they couldn't last longer, but I am sad, um, and I think it really does tower over other broad. Oh, I'm. Did you catch me saying I'm sad? Yeah, I heard your. I heard that you're sad. Um, I do think it towers over this year's other dramatic Broadway offerings. That, at least the ones that I've seen so far. So, so uh, in the next few days, if you guys have some time to spare. And some money. The inheritance. Yeah. And some money. It's a little yeah. expensive. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, that's, again, the economics of Broadway. Even even the best, most, well, most well-meaning of shows Need a lot of money to keep going to keep going. and pay other people. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, is that the is that a wrap? I think that's a wrap. We're wrapped. I think that's enough. Yeah. We're wrapped. Yeah. A Hollywood Boulevard by way of Broadway. Um. So, okay. So, guys, wash your hands. Did we lose Doug?
We lost dog again. I'm back. I'm back. I don't know what you said, but I agree. Did you say give us a five-star review? No, I was being servicey again. I told everybody to wash their hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> this has been Servicey Karen. I am here to help the you. The more you know. The more you know. I have been I have been here for you um this evening while Doug has been filling you in on um on on his goings on and Yeah, you have. You've been You've been helping people with their hygiene, watching out for their wallets. Yeah, you've been great. Oh, it's crazy. Um, but next week we will be back with um, our regularly scheduled Melrose Place conversation. Yes. Oh, and I'll just say it. I'll say it again next week. Um, R.I.P. to the actress Claudette Nevins, who played Matt's mom on Melrose Place. She oh, died. Oh, when did she? When did she die? Like just after, or I found out just after we recorded last week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, we'll talk more about her next week, too. Okay, sorry, Matt's mom. (laughs) Indeed. And also, RIP to the actor Max Vonsito, who was really wonderful and one of my favorites, and and he just passed away earlier today. Yeah, man, he was old, huh? He was 90. 90. That's crazy. Is it awful that I was like, oh, I hope he didn't have coronavirus? No, I'm, I'm sure other people made that reference or joke, too. I didn't mean it as a joke. I was, like, legitimately like, wow, no, I didn't coronavirus. mean it. I know, I know other people did say that joke that was why i didn't I mean it as a joke i was kind of like oh what if because it's killing and, older people and we might yeah we might never know because sometimes they just say oh it was pneumonia or old age or whatever yeah 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 was he sick do we know or did he i actually old? i i don't know he probably was sick but i i hadn't heard anything about him in a while and so i have no idea right okay but 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 um, uh, go see uh, the Seventh Seal, the Ingmar Bergman film, or go see The Exorcist or Ooh, Paley the Conqueror. He was um, amazing. Okay, wait. Before we sign off, I have a Hollywood Boulevard-esque question. Um, I was reading news reports all weekend about how Corey Feldman was releasing his um, documentary today on his website, um, that, and he was going to name names. I have not seen any news reports. No, but that's partly really? Because coronavirus. Um, so do we know if he did? I hadn't heard anything about this and I hope he did. I'm going to launch up the old Google cause I'm sure we, he's going to want you to pay to see the documentary, but I don't know that he would, um, that, that, uh, but somebody's going to report it. Hmm. Uh, you know, cause I don't think he's going to like have that for free available for free. Yeah, the documentary is called My Truth, The Rape of Two Corys. Oh, it says it have... premieres tonight. Maybe it hasn't um maybe it so, hasn't okay. aired yet. Maybe by the time you loyal listeners are loyally listening to this, you will know more than we know right now. Right. Oh, you can purchase e tickets for twenty dollars. Oh my god, look at me. I'm being servicey again. And it's going to be, it, it, okay, it's airing 11 p.m. East Coast. Okay, phew, for a second there, I was like, oh, my God, I missed the news of the of, of, the, of the two quarries. And no, I have not. It just hasn't aired yet. So I think we need to talk about that next week. I don't think I'm going to be watching it, though, at 11 o'clock Eastern time. I am going to bed because uh, I'm old. I will keep my eye out for more information about this as... Um, I am fascinated by this. I actually read his memoir, Choreography, back in the day, like 2013. Um, yeah, I'm really curious. 
Yeah, I am too, but I don't know that I'm curious enough to plunk up 20 bucks and stay up all night. And since Doug just cut out, I'm assuming he's not either. Some We have to work tomorrow. Yeah, I'm curious enough to, like, keep Googling it tomorrow and see what people stay, say. But um, you know what I just read here? Okay, do you remember, like, a year or so ago, I memorialized an actor named Christoph St. John, who was on The Young and the Restless? Mm-hmm. He is supposed to also appear in this documentary, so I'm, I'm wondering what he will say, too. Oh, dear. Or, or will have wow. said, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right, so kind of a Dougie Downer note to end on. Apologies, guys. Um, but remember, I said nice things about some shows. Uh, go see Cold Country. And give us five stars. And please give us five. And wash your hands. That's right. That's right. All right. Hygiene's stay, important. Stay safe out there, kids. Yeah, stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be back on the block then. We promise. Bye. Bye.